Hi, my dear True Crimers. I'm your host, Jonah B., and welcome to another episode of True Crime-ish, where we try to tell the crimes as true as possible around here. All right, y'all, let's just have like a little moment of honesty, a little one-on-one, a little Akuma Tata moment, however you say that. So your favorite host is a real procrastinator and I have been like stuck in this cycle and I only want to say stuck because I have not actively tried to get myself out of it, but just stuck in this procrastination cycle. So when my co-writer made the schedule and she's always on it and she made the schedule, I think it's going to take us up to the end of the year. And I was like, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. It's good to go. I I didn't double check it. I never even checked it. So this week, once I was procrastinating as usual and got started like three, four days late, I'm getting to look to see what case we're doing this week so I can start all my good research. And I'm like, damn, it's a missing Monday. It's not time for missing Monday. We do that every, you know, fourth episode. So I reach out to my sister. I'm like, sis, like it says missing Monday. It's not supposed to be a missing Monday. And she, she read me my rights as she should have. She was like, you know, if you would have actually been doing your job, this is something we could of course corrected earlier. And I completely agree. And it would have been crazy to try to throw something together which I would have definitely tried to do, but my co-writer has since. So long story short, because I do not check and do the things that I'm supposed to do, we're hitting y'all with another Missing Monday episode a week too soon. But like I said, these Missing Monday pieces, they are just as important as our full-blown case episode. So without further ado, let's help bring our people home. First up, we have Sherry Stout. In 2005, Sherry Lynette Stout was a 35-year-old mom of a one-year-old baby girl living in Elizabeth, New Jersey. On January 13, 2005, Sherry and her daughter were last seen on the 200 block of South Street in Elizabeth by Sherry's boyfriend. Not much is known about what they were wearing, but Sherry is five foot four and weighed 135 pounds with brown eyes and black hair. It would take four years until more information would be released in Sherry's case. In June of 2009, police renewed their search for Sherry in particular because, lo and behold, and thank God, Sherry's daughter was located. Yes, she was found living with family members in the Bronx. Police said the now four-year-old Corona Gilliam was in good condition and had been well cared for by family that is friends with her father, Laquan Gilliam. The family has not been charged, according to Lieutenant Gary Lewis, and officers actually received a tip from Laquan, who was serving time in state prison on unrelated charges. He said he gave Corona to family members in the Bronx, but no one knows how Laquan got possession of Corona, and he didn't offer any clues to where she was either. 
Sherry, the mom, was still missing and finding Karana was a blessing, but police still had no idea if she was alive or dead. Another four years would go by and in August of 2018, authorities searched Sherry's former home after learning Laquan told someone she could have been buried at the residence. Sheriff officers and Virginia State Police used four canines and metal detectors and got help from many volunteers. But still, there was no sign of Sherry. Sherry would be close to 60 by now, and her family and friends deserve to know where she is. So if you have any information on her whereabouts, contact the Elizabeth Police Department at 908-578-8306 or Take this number down as well, 908-558-2000. Up next, we have Marcus Rutledge. Marcus had his whole life ahead of him. He was 23 years young, had a nice girlfriend and an amazing four-year-old son and family. He was also a senior at Tennessee State University on the cups of graduation. A few weeks before his disappearance, Marcus took his son to the zoo and made plans with Valicia Bryant, his baby mama, to throw a huge carnival-themed birthday party for his son's fifth birthday in July. Marcus would travel back and forth to Michigan to see his beloved family pretty often because they were a very close-knit group. But on June 8, 1998, that would be the last day anyone would hear Marcus when he called his girlfriend and left a voicemail for her to call him back. She eventually tried several times to reach him, but he wasn't answering. So she did what any girlfriend would do, myself included. She went ahead and drove to his house, 2741 Parkdale Drive in Nashville. To her, nothing seemed out of place, but what was strange was the fact that his dog was found locked in the bathroom with no food and only the toilet water to drink from, and that is something that Marcus would never do. She immediately called Marcus's parents and the authorities because something wasn't right, and with that, Marcus was reported missing. Investigators had no leads and nothing to go on, and it was hard on Valicia trying to explain to their son why Marcus wasn't around. She said that he last saw his dad in May, just weeks before the disappearance when, you know, they were headed to the zoo. And his son keeps asking, where's my daddy? Why hasn't he called? And there wouldn't be a break in Marcus's case until about a month later, around July 1st, when things got even more concerning to his family. They found his car abandoned in the Riverwood Apartments on Cabot Drive in West Nashville, which was about 21 miles away from his home. His red 1995 Plymouth Neon with Michigan license plates PEX 755 was immediately towed and processed for evidence. Police came back with unsettling news. There was no indication of foul play inside the car and they had no explanation as to why the car was even parked there. A few days before his disappearance, Marcus was at a Memorial Day party in Michigan with his family, and his dad and sister said everything seemed fine. His sister is quoted saying, I can't think of anyone who would want to hurt him. I miss my brother. He was my best friend. If you know something, please say something. I would just really like some kind of closure for myself and my family. 
His father also chimed in saying, I don't pass through an airport without checking out all the faces and thinking that somewhere I will run into him. We don't give up hope. One day, maybe we will have a knock on the door and Marcus will show up. It's our only hope. Marcus is six feet tall, 190 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. If you have any information about Marcus's disappearance, please call the Metro Police Department Code Case Unit at 615-862-7803 or the Nashville Crime Stoppers at 615-74-CRIME. Up next, we have Jamel Lee Hong II. Jamel, a military veteran, husband, and father, has been missing from Charles County, Maryland since November 25th, 2023. Jamel is six foot two and 162 pounds with black hair and brown skin. And I don't know, y'all, I'm about 160 and I'm five foot seven and a half. And if you added some more inches to me with this way, I would really be a walking stick. Like I just had to sit there and think about that. But moving forward, he was last seen that Saturday heading back to the Naval Support Facility on the Indian Head Base where he lived with his wife and kids after leaving a bar in Bryant's Road. Jamel's father, Jamel Lee Hong Sr., told police his son was out with friends that night and never returned home. Jamel Sr. questioned just what happened at the place was that he was at. Was he talking to anyone there? Did anyone follow him from there? Did he maybe have a disagreement there with someone? Was his state, what, like, what was his mind state when he left there? It was just so many questions going through his dad's head. And he said that Jamel was a junior and he also has a third that looks up to him. He has six sisters and they all love him. He wouldn't just up and leave his family. Kayla Lee Hong, Jamel's wife, told reporters that it's not like him to do anything like this. So it's just very hard right now. She said it had been hard trying to explain to their five-year-old son that his father is missing. He loved the ground that his daddy walked on. That was like his best friend. She said that she tried telling him I don't think it's registering. So immediately following Jamel's disappearance, his family did their own search for him. And they came to a spot along the Matawaman Creek where they saw car tracks going straight to the water. On November 27th, authorities sent the Charles County dive team into Matawaman Creek near Slavin's Dock. And that is where they found Jamel's car. But Jamel was nowhere to be found. The Nissan Altima was severely damaged, like it had been in a major wreck, but that only provided more questions than answers. The area of the creek where Jamel's Nissan was recovered is a few blocks from the entrance to the base. Dive teams, boats, and a drone were used in another search of the creek on November 30th. Unfortunately, Matawaman Creek still hasn't provided any clues to where Jamel is. If anyone saw Jamel that night or have any clue to his whereabouts, contact the Charles County Sheriff's Office at 301-609-6499. Our next victim is Christina Esther Ruiz Rodriguez. Since we do have more than a few out-of-state listeners, I do want to include Christina's case. 
She is a Hispanic native of Guayanela, Puerto Rico, and she was last seen on May 21st, 2006, at the age of 13. She vanished in the night from her grandparents' house, who she stayed with at the time, and pretty much vanished without a trace. It was known that she would often socialize with people in online chat rooms. So at the time, it was suspected that serial killer Amilcar Matias Torres, who was a serial predator that solicited young girls through chat rooms to have sex with him. But he is currently still serving his 20-year sentence, which is not nearly enough time if you ask me. And he has never admitted to the death of Christina. And the police have no evidence to connect him either. With Christina disappearing in the midst of the night, her grandparents were not sure of what she was last wearing, so it is just listed as pajamas. But Christina was in between the height of five foot four and five foot six. The specifics could not be verified. She was 100 pounds at the time, had black hair, brown eyes, and a tongue ring. We will include an age progress picture that was done in 2015 that would show what Christina would have looked like at the age of 23. I know this is not a ton to go on, but if anything I just said rings any types of bells, please call the Interpol Puerto Rico office at 787-475-4378. Up next, we have Larissa Lonehill. Larissa, who also went by Rissa and Lisa, was last seen in Rapid City, South Dakota on October 3rd, 2016. Larissa texted her cousin that day. She said she was getting a ride from two guy friends from the Pine Ridge Reservation that she was from to the city. And once a few days went by and no one had heard from Larissa, they decided to report her missing. Rissa was 21 at the time of her disappearance, so the police, of course, were trying to hit the family with the okey-doke, talking about how she has grown and she could just be out having fun and this and that. And the, the family was just not trying to hear that. So they kept pressing the police for help with locating their missing family member. One article said that it took police six months to take action. And once they located one of the guys that supposedly gave Rissa a ride, he told the police that he had dropped her off at a party at Rapid City. And that was that. Once the police looked into who Larissa was, they figured out that she had an issue with substance abuse. And I am sure this did not prompt them to keep truly looking for Larissa. So her case began to fizzle out with no lead. And the police were being kind of tight-lipped about the investigation, not releasing any information they may have had to the family. At one point, the police came out and told the family that they believe that Larissa is dead and that her body was disposed of somewhere within a 100-mile radius of Rapid City. But they did not tell the family what would make them believe that, nor did they update the case to homicide. Larissa is still listed as a missing person. Larissa was taken away from her two-year-old daughter, and even though her daughter stayed with her father's family due to Larissa's drug habit, she was still said to be a devoted mom and would see her kid often, even if she had to hitchhike, and her daughter deserves to know what happened to her mom. Larissa, who is Native American, a part of the Lakota tribe, was five foot four at the time, weighing 120 pounds. She has brown hair, brown eyes, and a few tattoos. The name Luda on her knuckles, 
a paw print on her hand, a bare claw with writing on her wrist, and the words mom and Lisa somewhere on her body. She also has scars on the left side of her face. If anyone knows anything about the disappearance of Larissa, please call the Rapid City Police Department at 605-394-4134. Now we're going to move on to Joyce Lynn Dupont. Joyce was last seen in Lake Charles, Louisiana on August 8, 1994. Joyce was last seen at her sister's house dropping off one of her kids to her sister so she could babysit while Joyce went to handle her affairs. Joyce left her sister's house and headed to the corner of Bank and Broad Street, where she would wait to catch her bus to take her to the housing authority. But Joyce never made it there. The authorities are not even sure if she made it on the bus. They just know that somewhere along the route, Joyce was taken. She is said to be a responsible 25-year-old woman with two kids, and it was said that she would never just walk away from her kids and never contact them again. Although the police have not shared any details about their investigation, they also believe that Joyce did not leave on her own accord. Joyce, who also went by her middle name, Lynn, does not have any specifics listed as to what she was last seen wearing, but she did have dark brownish black hair, brown eyes, was five foot six and about 135 pounds. Joyce also had a few tattoos. She had a tattoo of her middle name, Lynn, on her leg and a tattoo of the letter D on her arm. If anyone knows about anything that could have happened to Joyce in the broad daylight, please call the Lake Charles Police Department at 337-491-1311. All right, y'all. So now it's time for our honorable mention segment. This is a segment where we'll speak on a few cases with even less information than all the other ones that, that we've covered today in hopes that we can still help bring them home. First up, we have Riddell Latrice Wimpy. Riddell, who also goes by Red, was last seen at her home on the 6300 block of Rockwell in Chicago, Illinois, at approximately 2 p.m. on May 8, 2007, and has not been seen since. There is very little known about her case, but that is where we come in at. Red was 28 at the time of her disappearance. Five foot six, 115 pounds, and has low cut brown hair and brown eyes, but mainly wears a variety of short blonde wigs. She was last seen wearing a blue sweatshirt and baggy jeans. The police have no leads. All we know is this beautiful young lady was taken from her home. And being someone who has faced a home intruder before, I know just how scary that is and how it could really happen to any of us. If you have any information about my girl, Red, please contact the Chicago Police Department at 312-747-8385. On October 9th, 2020, Kayla Stewart went missing from Pleasantville, New York. At the time, she was 14 years old, 5 foot 3, and 200 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. She is suspected to be a juvenile runaway, but we all know how that goes in our community. There is speculation she might be traveling to Brooklyn, New York. Kayla turns 18 on December 17th of this year, right before Christmas. So let's help find her. 
If you have any information on Kayla, please contact Mount Pleasant Police Department at 914-769-1941. On November 27, 2023, 14-year-old Dejana McNeil left her home around 7 a.m. on Fulton Street between Rockaway Avenue and Eastern Parkway in Brooklyn, New York. And according to the NYPD, that was the last time she was seen. The Jonah is described as five foot one and about 85 pounds. Anyone with information was encouraged to call the NYPD's Crime Stoppers hotline at 800-577-8477. Or you can also submit tips online, which we provided in the episode description. And that concludes this week's Missing Mondays episode. This year, it's almost over, y'all. And just a little FYI, we will be taking a break on Christmas and New Year's. Don't hate us. But take this time to get your true crime fix and help us build up the pod. So for our new listeners, if you know you're just tuning in, go back and listen to the previous episodes. And for our returning true crimers, same goes for you. I know there is one that you haven't heard. I just want to make sure that we are all taking the time to just listen to these highly underreported cases and making sure that their stories are getting out there. Make sure you guys are sharing the pod and tapping into our true crime Insta for pics and videos. As always, I hope you guys are staying vigilant and aware that a lot of times it's us that can crack the case. The right person just needs to hear it. 